Here we are on January 1st, with a new year, a new decade, and a whole new slate of fresh books from DC Comics. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. This is the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 39. If you've celebrated all of your New Year preparations, it's probably time for some New Year's resolutions. And if yours was to read more comics, well, then you are in the right place. This week, just like every week, I sit down and sort through and pick what I believe are the top five books from DC Comics. That's right, each and every week. We're going to get started with all the books coming out for January 1st, 2020. Welcome to the new year. Let's dive right in with Justice League Dark. We're currently in the midst of The Witching War. This is part five in the story by James Titan IV, with pencils by Alvaro Martinez Bueno, inks by Raul Fernandez, colors by Brad Anderson, and letters by Rob Lay. The variant cover, provided by Simone Bianchi, and the original cover by Yannick Paquette and Nathan Fairbairn. Justice League Dark has been taking us down quite a dark path, and at the center of it has been a crux, a place where magic and heroism come together, where it's not just about what can you do, but why are you doing it? Wonder Woman has been leading the dark team to address magic and all of the things that have begun to unravel since the breaking of the source wall, the others, and some very nasty creatures seeking to destroy all of the magic in this world, something unleashed by Lord Naboo, putting him at odds with his presence here on Earth, otherwise known as Dr. Fate. In a rash move, Diana had allowed herself to be transported to another place, somewhere known as the Collective Unconscious. But in this process, she allowed Cersei to take her body and assemble a team of very dangerous creatures from Solomon Grundy to a modified Clarion the Witch Boy to a few others, but even these forces are not able to break into the Hall of Justice where the Justice League Dark Team has hidden itself away. They fended off the first onslaught, but in the process, they're weakened and without all of their team members. Man-Bat has been sedated after taking the wrong version of an updated form of his serum that transformed him into a monster that they had to contain and who was part of the chaos in earlier issues. And also, Cersei has amassed more power than she might normally have at her disposal. And in doing so, she's able to call up some fairly monstrous creatures one of which is Dracul Carfang, a very impressive demonic-looking dragon who begins to siege the walls with fiery flames and forces Diana to work out an agreement to make a decision that could affect the team and herself 
and lead to great consequences. Because the force that's seeking to consume all of the magic in this world exists because it was pushed down and kept away. Diana believes that she can find a resolution by making an agreement with the leader of these creatures and offering the opportunity to provide balance only after Cersei is defeated. Essentially, give Diana what she needs to defeat Cersei, and in return, she will provide a way for there to be balance. And should she fail, of course, painful consequences await her, her team, and magic users. Things are getting desperate when even Zatanna's approach to Constantine is met with the idea that perhaps they should look at the armory stored beneath the Hall of Justice, a collection of very dangerous weapons of magic, and to gather them unto themselves and use them, including the dangerous crystal of Eclipso. Can they wait for Diana's return to save them after making this very painful deal? Or will they turn to the magical tools at their disposal, knowing full well that a great risk will begin the moment they attempt to do so? And then, of course, there are some other characters who've been brought into this story who may have a role to play, but only if they are willing to consider the same severe decisions, one in which taking on a mantle of power might lead to their salvation or be the easiest and quickest path to their doom. I really like this story. I love the pacing. I love the way the elements that feel so ethereal come to life so well in this story. Clearly, the great writing is supported by an amazing art team that makes places like the Collective Unconscious and the Hall of Justice feel just as real as the table I'm sitting at and the microphone I'm recording into. The flames burn bright, casting everything in orange, and when they don't, it seems like the dark shadows are constantly encroaching upon the team. But for some reason, this makes all of the brightest sparks, all of the sparks, all of the wonderful moments seem to glimmer with that much more hope. And it's that hope that James Tiny has done a wonderful job of highlighting in this story about a Justice League team fighting the great war of magic and doing so knowing that the rules behind magic are always subject to change. I think this was a great way to kick off the new year with Justice League Dark, amazing title, and I was really pleased to share Justice League Dark number 18 with you and give it a very strong 5 out of 5 to kick things off for my first choice on this episode of DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 39. Let's go ahead and move into my second choice. Now for this next choice, is Action Comics 1018. Something that I felt was a really interesting development, simply because of how much it's trying to address in such a small number of pages. In the story by Brian Michael Bendis, supported by John Romita Jr. on pencils, Klaus Jansen on inks, Brad Anderson on colors, Dave Sharp on letters, 
Romita Jr., Jansen Anderson on the cover, and Gabriel Del Otto providing the variant cover to Metropolis Doom Part 2. Our story opens with the city caught up and mesmerized by the conflict between the Justice League and Lex Luthor in his Apex Lex form, the Apex Predator version that he has assumed following his agreement to bring about the end of the world we have. But the story takes a bit of a detour when we see a figure who hasn't quite made a decision about whether or not they will be powerful for good or for evil. And we learn that the origin of this figure is none other than Robinson Good, investigative reporter for the Star Sentinel, who stumbled upon a story at Star Labs that she wasn't supposed to find. And because she did, the consequences were the creation of a new powered beat, one who has been wronged, had her life stolen away from her. And because of that, the events that follow are an interesting question as to whether or not she or some other force is responsible for the disappearance of Star Lab employees of the Star City facility and also others who appear to be connected to the project that brought about this change in her. It's her appearance that causes Superman to take his focus off of his conflict with Lex Luthor. And it leads to an interesting moment where we see a flashback from two days before when Clark Kent is meeting with the new fire chief. And in the process of having a discussion with it, the concept of truth is brought up and how so much of the need for truth and honesty is because it's the sort of focus that is above everything else and that if we focus on that we can do better to which the new fire chief announces that she is running for mayor and when she starts talking about how Superman who inspired her because of his truth and his example, Clark feels that with his, during this time frame, upcoming announcement about who he is and why he is making it public to the world, is revealed to the fire chief in this quiet moment in which he feels that he believes he can trust her and if she can keep his secret for the next two days, he as Superman will endorse her run for mayor. It's a really interesting quiet moment that I think is important because with such a decision, with such a momentous decision as the kind that Superman has made when he announces his identity to the world, there can be a lot of emphasis placed on everything that occurs from that moment afterwards. But Brian Michael Bendis takes an opportunity here to look back and with that ability to do so, recall how events leading up to the present built a great deal into all of the feelings and emotions shared when Superman is seen by this very same fire chief 
fighting for them. Now, there's an interesting development that's even bigger than that reveal. And it has to do with a figure who, as of yet, has only been involved in its own pursuits. Ones that created their own storyline recently, but appeared to be separate and removed for the conflict from the conflict with Lex Luthor. As of the end of this issue, that's all about to change. Who is the new figure entering the fray? Well, you're going to have to pick up Action Comics number 1018 to find out. But along the way, look forward to enjoying really interesting story perspectives, an intriguing approach to power and the consequence of creating a figure of power, and what could be an interesting tightrope walk for this character. I'm intrigued to see how they will come to play potentially a bigger role in this story. And I'm also curious how these layers will play out. But I'm intrigued by the setup and the premise. Brian Michael Bendis is known for creating layers of story and sometimes introducing pieces that begin and end in one moment or carry on for many issues, sometimes not appearing or appearing very sparsely before eventually making their impact. So how this could play out could be a very interesting development, and I like the premise of setting it up here in 1018 by introducing a lot of information that wasn't available or known to the reader prior to this issue, and yet fills in some gaps and creates a backstory and background for the events that are occurring in the present. Creates a really interesting development that I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. And of course, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Stay tuned to the end of this episode so you can let me know on all the ways we have available, what you're thinking, what your scores are, and just what else you'd like to share with me. However, this was my second book, which means it's time to take a short break and to step away, allow for a bit of ad playing that not only pays the bills, but lets you know about all the great things going on here at DC Comics News and our podcast network. We're going to step away for that quick break, and I'll be right back with choices three, four, and five. See you in just a moment. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast, here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack, 
And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. Well, thank you for sticking around during that quick little break. We are back now with my third, fourth, and fifth choices here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 39, our first of the year 2020. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. Let's go ahead and dive right in to my third choice, which is Martian Manhunter, number 11. In this 12-issue maxi-series, we are at the penultimate book, and here we see that John and Detective Mead have reached a point where they've developed trust in each other, seen their weaknesses and failures and challenges, and have learned to realize what they need from each other. With that now firmly established, they can go their separate ways, Mead sending John off to confront Charm and to rescue the little girl who started this whole adventure in the first place. Mead, in the meantime, will try and rally as many police officers as possible or become a one-man army herself in order to stop the vultures who are rounding up townspeople to add to the menagerie that Charm hopes to build and eventually use to take over all of Earth. How can he do it? Well, he's got the mental prowess of a Martian who has been punished and scorned and left for dead and found a way to evolve. That evolution has made him a very impressive nemesis for John and put him through some very painful experiences. In order to overcome him, John will have to rely on all of the strength that he has, all of his Martian abilities, in order to rescue the young girl, to stop Charn, and to hopefully bring about an end to gathering up of all the people in town in order to make them these creatures who would be Charn's army and who could be a greater threat if they and Charn are not stopped at the same time. A lot going on, and on top of it all is the fact that John is still struggling. While he's made great headroads, it's clear by the end of the issue that Charn still has an advantage not only based on the accumulated hate, but the time allowed to hone his abilities and become something so dangerous that he can destroy the very fabric of what makes John Johns a Martian. With only one more issue left after this, I felt that this did a great job in number 11 with this team. The writing by Steve Orlando, Art by Riley Rossmo, Colors by Juan Placencia, Letters by Darren Bennett, Riley Rossmo providing the original cover, and Joshua Middleton with the variant cover, together created all of the setup we need to charge into a final 12th issue. And I mention all of those people 
because I love the way they support this great concept and bring it to life with their colors, their details, their shading and shadowing. And there's something lovely about that variant with John and Charn face to face, a little mono a mono, and the jarring disconnect between their two figures, the smooth, almost serene green of Martian Manhunter's skin and the red, jagged, teethy, bug-eyed features of Charn. If you don't get a if you haven't yet, take a chance to check it out. And if you haven't considered Martian Manhunter number 11 among your top five picks, I'm highly recommending it as my third choice. A solid five out of five, a great way to compile everything that's occurred up until now, present it, and then leave us knowing what all the stakes are as we charge into issue number 12. Happy to give Martian Manhunter a solid five out of five, a great addition to this first collection of books for 2020. And one that I'm looking to hear your thought later on. We've got two more books to go. Let's go ahead and jump into my fourth choice. Now for my fourth choice this week, and the first episode of this year, episode number 39, is Batgirl number 42, a title that I have not mentioned quite as often on the DC Comics News podcast. A title that I have enjoyed reading and enjoyed following the story, the most recent being Oracle Rising. And in issue number 42, we reach the finale of Oracle Rising. In doing so, we have the chance to wrap up this amazing story by Cecil Castellucci with art by Carmine Digian Domenico, colors by Jordi Belair. Letters by Andwell Design with Digian Domenico and Ivan Placencia providing the original cover and Terry and Rachel Dodson providing a really beautiful variant cover. There's something so optimistic about Batgirl, something so engaging, so heartwarming, so colorful, that I really enjoyed watching her in this story be more than she has been. In order to overcome the figure known as Oracle, an AI given a gift by Lex Luthor and the tools to take down Batgirl, who she believes forgot her, left her, abandoned her, and in doing so deserves all of her vengeance. As an AI, she has been scorned and she wishes to exact revenge. Her task has led to a series of misfortunes for Batgirl, her friends, and the city where she lives. It's created complications for her personal life, and it's caused her to give up many of the things that she had been trying to build in order to balance out Batgirl with a normal life, a day-to-day life lived during the nine to five in the daylight. Unfortunately, she's had to make the hard decisions in order to take on and defeat Oracle. What's led her to this point is the near death on her part and the realization that Oracle has figured out everything 
that Batgirl would normally do in almost any given situation, including the one she's in. In fact, it's all part of her plan. Using the knowledge that she has at her disposal, Oracle has taken advantage of the ability to predict every action that Batgirl would normally take. And what I like about this issue is that it shows the ways that Batgirl has to overcome this by going against her very nature. Not being prepared, not being worried, flying by the seat of her pants, and using some interesting tactics that in the beginning feel somewhat familiar as things you might have seen characters in other stories do, and then gradually grow into more developed approaches. And this is important because when it comes to Batgirl, she's a very unique figure, one who has suffered triumph and tragedy, but also has learned how to adapt. And it's her ability to understand the problem she's facing and through sheer force of will adapt by throwing away all of the things she's come to rely on to make her a great costumed fighter and someone who is able to stand side by side with Batman, Nightwing, and the rest of the Bat family, but also to shine as a great example. In order to defeat Oracle, she will have to rely on a little bit more of a gut instinct, and in doing so, trust that her skills and her belief and perhaps even her promise will be enough to save the day and bring about the ending she's hoping for. In order to do so, she makes a few unexpected alliances, addresses some of the consequences of her actions from before, and also tries to forge a new path forward, not only with the friends and family she's trying to protect, but even those she didn't think she wanted to have in her life. I think this makes for a really compelling story. And I was intrigued by this development for Batgirl, because with the ending of every story arc, there's an opportunity to see what it's taught, not only the writer, the team, the audience, and the character, but then to look ahead as to, or look ahead, not as to, but look ahead to all the different ways that this character can now move forward and continue telling their story. Given that Batgirl had to let go of all of the things she's relied on and become a different crime fighter, she has a unique opportunity to either try and rebuild all of the things that were destroyed during this process or try and set them right as best she can and then move on to follow whatever her new path may be and the results it may provide once she's far enough down the road to see why it's taking her and where she's going. I'm intrigued to see where we will pick up with Batgirl in issue number 43. And I liked this approach in issue number 42 and all of the ways that it sets up our expectations for what we think we know about Batgirl and what we might have the chance to learn about. I'm also intrigued because... This isn't the only storyline involving Batgirl. She was one of the heroes recruited by Leviathan, 
who actually snuck her way on at one point and was providing intel. So many things in her world and the world at large have been shaken up. They must at some point take a toll on Batgirl and how it will reveal itself in the upcoming issues as we approach her number 50 could provide some really fertile ground for some really wonderful storytelling. Clearly with issue number 42, that potential is only growing more rich and should provide wonderful experiences for us in the issues ahead. Background number 42 was a very strong 5 out of 5, a wonderful collaboration of story and art that is a gift for readers and might be enough incentive to follow Oracle Rising to its beginning and enjoy the story all the way through. Once again, background number 42, a 5 out of 5, my fourth choice on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack episode number 39, as we move into my fifth and final choice. There was a time when you couldn't turn on the television without seeing a McDonald's commercial featuring Ronald McDonald and all of the gang. And then there was a time where they suddenly were gone. In those moments, it's interesting to consider what might have been in a different reality. And I was really thrilled to pick up Harley Quinn number 69, which tells the wonderful story of the ham bezler. Very similar to the Ronald McDonald ham burglar, a figure accused of stealing and using the employee pension fund that had been set up by the hamburger establishment that the ham bezler and so many other characters with a striking resemblance to those Ronald McDonald characters I just mentioned. And their lives were ruined when that pension dried up. They were, in their own words, the stars of a great narrative, one in which they were the biggest things happening. And I really loved the way that we get a chance to see these really fun versions of these characters. Ham Bezler, the Hamburglar version, or the Hamburglar version, which is Ham Bezler, sometimes this can get confusing, is a fun, sweet accountant, one who was a rising star and discovered that the brothers who owned the burger establishment were doing something, well, very nefarious because of them and because of his discovery he was set up to take the fall and he became the enemy of every one of his former team they're all crushed broken lost and looking for revenge he describes how he was framed and how he was forced to take the fall and then we get this great moment where the story follows each of the characters from their glorious past to their tragic present. As members of the McGobble family, they believed that the brothers who ran the company were looking after their best interests, when clearly they weren't. And it turns out there was a member of their team 
who was working with them. I'm going to leave that one a secret because it's just too much fun, as is the rest of this issue. Although I will let you know that there is a secret headquarters known as the Hall of Food. If that's not enough to get you to dive into this issue, number 69 of Harley Quinn, I'm going to leave you with the fact that when it comes to every new year, there's a chance to enter in and to have a reflective, thoughtful, engaging, quiet, gentle beginning. Or to charge off like a rocket, meeting, matching, surpassing goals, and marking new frontiers. But I also feel that there's this great opportunity to sit back a little, laugh a little, take in the moment a little, have a bit of fun, and enjoy yourself. Because so many other things that you're experiencing are taking themselves so seriously. What I love about Harley Quinn, very, very rarely does she ever take herself seriously. And this really comes to the benefit of us, the reader, who are given the chance to dive into a fun, fast, and foodious story and come away with a bit of a lighter heart, a bit of a smile and a chuckle, along with a fond remembrance of things past that have been given just the tiniest bit of a twist. I think this is a great story that older readers will enjoy for its wonderful takes on some classic pop culture nostalgia, and younger audiences will be intrigued by for these characters who maybe they don't have the same association or identification, and yet at the same time are familiar with their roles as archetypes and figures. This was a great story by Mark Russell. With art by Sam Basri, colors by Ivan Placencia, letters by Dave Sharp, and a really fun cover by Guillaume March and Arif Prianto. The variant cover by Frank Cho and Sabine Rich is no slouch, and together creates a really great package of story, of laughter, and a bit of wonder in Harley Quinn, number 69. A solid 5 out of 5 in my books, a really fun story, and a reminder that when it comes to the new year, you can take it as serious or as lightheartedly as you choose. After all, it's your year. It's your beginning. Make it what you want. I, on the other hand, am making all I can from a great start with a great network like the DC Comics News Podcast Network and the chance to keep coming back each and every week to share with you my top five picks from DC Comics. I know every week there's a book I wish I could include, and yet also I'm aware of the fact that when other books that might not make this list as consistently shine the way they do, well, it's a great way to show them the recognition they deserve, and starting off the year with that consideration has made this a really fun episode for me. I hope it was for you as well, and I'm looking forward to hearing all of your thoughts. And when it comes to sharing those with me, keep in mind that DC Comics News is available on all the social media platforms. 
Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube. All you have to do is use that at symbol, capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S, or at DC Comics News, to let us know what you're thinking, to tell us whether or not my score was right or wrong, or where yours is close, but just a little bit different, and all the fun reasons why. Wherever you're listening, you can find the DC Comics News podcast on every major podcast platforms. So if your friends, family, or loved ones are interested, remind them that whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play, all they have to do is look for DC Comics News and then subscribe to never miss every great episode. I'm also going to remind you to subscribe because it will allow you to not only catch every episode of DC Comics News Spinner Rack, but every episode of the DC Comics News podcast and the team that brings you all the happenings and goings on in DC Comics, whether it's movies, TV, streaming, or the source material comic books. If it's a headline, we're talking about it. And of course, you'll get the chance to catch great content, original, such as our newest podcast, I Am The Knight, led by my co-conspirator, Steve J. Ray, in his episode-by-episode breakdown of the classic Batman the Animated Series. It's one you won't want to miss. He's already got quite a few episodes available for you to listen to, catch up on, and then be ready for each new episode as they come out. If you loved Batman the Animated Series, you're going to love I Am the Knight. This has been the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 39, and I've been your host, Seth Singleton. Really lucky to start off 2020 with you sharing this great list of books and coming back to you each and every week to share my top five with you. Again, don't hesitate to reach out with your scores and let me know what you're thinking out there. And if you want to reach me personally, you can always find me on Twitter at the number one, more Singleton, or just type in my name, Seth Singleton, the word story, and leave me a message on whatever platform you feel the most comfortable. This has been the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I'm looking forward to a great 2020, and I thank you for joining and sharing it with me. Catch you next time. And as always, read more comics. Thanks, folks.